Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sunday Soccer Show with Schmidt and Greg, presented to you by the Patterns of Play podcast. Schmidt, how are you on this wonderful Sunday? I'm just doing great. Just fantastic. I wonder why that might be. What would be the reason? I'm not sure. We might have to talk about it a little bit. We had a lot of great soccer on this opening weekend for the Premier League, the Bundesliga, also La Liga, and I believe Ligue 1 started with some some fun times as well. As Messi, Messi got in, unveiled at PSG this week. Yeah, PSG had a great start. Uh, Mbappe reminding people that he is actually still on that team as well <laughs> um, for now. But for the main portion of this show, we are going to focus on the Premier League and the Bundesliga, those two kicking off. Uh, and I want to give the floor to Mr. Michael Schmidt to start because we are going to kick this off with Tottenham Hotspur's massive win this Sunday morning against the champions of the Premier League, Manchester City. Mike, I give you the floor. I don't know where I don't know where to start. Um definitely beyond my expectations. I think I literally posted on Instagram before the game uh the yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Scott office quote of I'm ready to be hurt again uh, when the game started and for the first 15 minutes it looked like that was what was going to happen because we probably should have conceded two or three times in the first 15 minutes or so of that game and I think what we talked about last week where you kind of want to play City early in the season before they're in insane form, I think that's exactly what happened today. Mid-season City probably don't miss those chances that they missed today. Um, We got lucky. We rode our luck out for the first 15, 20 minutes. And then for the rest of the game, we were just constantly counterattacking five on three, six on four, and... To be honest, the final ball was disappointing most of the time for those counters. The first half, we probably we probably should have scored once or twice, and we didn't just because that final pass or shot wasn't there. Um, but over the course of the game, I think you could see Nuno had a clear idea of how he wanted to approach that game. He set the team up to play in a certain way, and they executed. Guys who... Uh, normally are not what I would consider to be grafters or hardworking players. I mean, Deli Alley was everywhere today, winning the ball in midfield and starting counterattacks. Lucas Mora was incredible. Uh, Jaffa Tanganga and Oliver Skip had fantastic games, two academy players who are now playing with us. So, I mean, I think Nuno set the team up the right way. The team played the right way, executed the instructions besides a kind of nervy start to the game, which I would expect first game of the season, uh, we really kind of grew into it. And from that point on, we were just countering city at every opportunity. And eventually the, the class of a player like son shines through, he gets the goal. And uh, you know, from there on, we just kind of defended and, and played out the one Oh, but definitely a much better start than I was expecting, but thrilled to have, navigated one of our two games with city this season already and taken three points from it. Yeah. I want to get to the goal in a little bit, but when you see this team sheet and you see Sanchez and Dyer as your center backs and I was was terrified and Oliver skip in front of them, as well as Tanganga playing right back, which I believe he's, he's come up as a center back. He is. Yeah. He's a center back by trade he's played right back for us before it's it's not like it was his first time playing there but yeah i saw where i was you know playing with the boys this morning uh on playstation and i'm i was constantly refreshing my phone feed i'm like when's the lineup gonna be out when's the lineup gonna be out and then i see it get posted and i see dyer and sanchez at center back and i'm like dear lord we're gonna concede 15 goals this game (laughs) like it's not and I figured Romero wouldn't be fit, but it, you know, Dyer and Sanchez is a combo that definitely has some some problems <laughs> in terms of uh, effectiveness. So I saw that, and I was not particularly optimistic. Tanganga right back didn't bother me, and Skip in midfield didn't bother me either because 
he had a very good season with Norwich last year. I feel like he grew up a lot in that loan spell, and he was a he was a major part of why they got promoted. Uh, and in preseason, he's looked really good, and I thought today he was excellent. I mean, if Tanganga didn't have the standout game that he had, and if Lucas Mora hadn't had the standout game that he had, I would have said Skip would have been up there for man of the match because he played like he's been in that midfield for years. So let's get to the goal. Um, an unbelievable counter, a very good pass, and, and just the slightest move to create some more space by uh, Son away from the defender to then just get in and, and, and create a good goal-scoring chance for himself. And, you know, you always bet if, if Son gets in kind of those 1v1 situations, he's going to put the ball in the back of the net. But I think it all comes from Lucas Mora's incredible ball and you have been a bit of a uh, critic of lucas i've been i've been a lucas mora <laughs> hater yeah at times do you it, feel that potentially he needed the right manager and the to get into the right because he typically has played i feel like more centrally in the past but out on the on the flank do you feel like nuno, nuno might be getting them be able to get the most out of him I mean, the thing with Lucas is, and he, he's played out wide for us before under Poch, under Mourinho, now under Nuno. The thing with Lucas is, I will never fault the guy's work rate. He always runs his socks off, and he's always capable of kind of running, you know, past three or four people. The issue is, doesn't always have that kind of like end product or final ball. He reminds me a lot of like an Aaron Lennon. Aaron Lennon could just blow people away on the dribble, but when it came time to play that killer pass into the box, he just didn't always have that, that final touch. Um, listen, Lucas Moore is responsible for one of the greatest moments in <clears throat> Spurs history recently with the miracle at Ajax. So like, I can't fault the guy too much, but yes, generally I think he's kind of a lots of huff and puff, but no end product type player today. I think he showed that, that work rate can be very effective um, and it just needs to be kind of channeled in the right way. Um, and I, th I think what he did today, it still amazes me that that man, despite being like five and a half feet tall, wins as many headers as he does. Like he competes for the ball physically. He gets away from challenges. He started the counter with a really nice flick, just good awareness to kind of get it out of trouble. You know, if Nuno can get the best of him, I think the, the key with Lucas is to just keep your expectations in the right spot. You know, I think when he came in, people were like, we got this fast young winger from PSG and he's going to score 20 goals a season. Doesn't seem to be Lucas's game. He seems to be the kind of guy that's more of like an engine in midfield. And he he reminds me of Adama Traore in that his presence can just be disruptive and create opportunities. I don't think we can expect him to score a ton of goals every year or even assist a ton of goals every year. But like, you know, he can start a lot of moves just by winning the ball and being aggressive. So I can appreciate that part of his game. I, you know, I, I wish he was a little bit more of a complete player, but you look at a, a performance like today and you can see that sometimes just being a grafter, winning 50, 50 balls and starting counterattacks can be useful to a team. Yeah, he was unbelievable today. I think he, he was everywhere. He has certainly um, found a good uh, role for himself in, with Nuno's system. Uh, I think there's, you know, a couple of question marks that will obviously still come with this this team of, you know, what's the best center back pairing going to look like? Will they go to a back three now with Romero, who made a quick, um, a quick introduction Can't. today um <laughs> what's the word uh, and then uh obviously the big question is is harry kane and so now taking a look at manchester city side again you know we talked about the fact that they struggle right now because they don't have that clear-cut number number nine um again with ferran Tor uh, torres playing in that position today uh, we said what would happen in this game if if you know Spurs won, would that then show that they're going to ask for more money for for Kane? Does Kane now look at this as okay? Maybe I need to give Nuno a chance, and and do I stick with this team? There's a good core group here, 
or you know is city going to splash the cash this week and half they i mean they have to go get a striker because it's two games in a row now that they don't have any end product yeah and i think if you look at some of the chances some of the half chances they had in that first 15 minutes if harry kane is in the box for those chances those are goals and and, and i think you know we talked last week Spurs couldn't really lose in this scenario, you know, whether they won or lost this game city, we're still going to want to go after Kane. And I think having won it definitely gives Daniel Levy even more bargaining power because now he knows like, and he's seen, yeah, you guys really need that striker and I'm going to make you pay top dollar if you want him. I think the one thing that's kind of interesting to me, and I've seen some people talking about it today is, if you're Kane and you're watching all of this unfold and you've seen that City spent basically 100 mil on a luxury player in Jack Relish, somebody that definitely good, but not necessarily what they need. And this might be an unpopular opinion or a hot take. I think Grealish, while good, there was a marked difference when De Bruyne came on in terms of speed of thought and speed of execution in midfield, whereas Grealish is the type of player who gets the ball and holds it and slows down moves. And yes, he gets fouled a lot. He wins you a lot of free kicks, but when the ball goes into his feet, he's not necessarily moving it on super quickly. He's not pinging a pass across midfield. He's, he's getting possession and dribbling with it and trying to make things happen that way. And there's something to be said for that style, but looking at the match today, city looked infinitely more threatening in the 15 minutes De Bruyne was on the field where he's, you know, getting the ball, quickly getting it out of his feet and spraying a pass or taking a shot, testing Lloris. I, I don't think Graylish helped them today because he was another yet another player on their team who kind of slowed possession down. So I think, if anything, the result today helped Tottenham because now if City really want Kane, they're going to have to go after him uh, and, and Levy's going to kind of raise the price. But I think if you're Kane, you got to look at it like, City are willing to spend on Grealish, a player they don't necessarily need, but they haven't come in and even made a bid for me yet. Like the one thing that bothered me all weekend about the coverage of Premier League games was there's kind of this attitude of like, oh, well, you know, Kane's already a City player. And it's like they have not even tabled a bid yet. They haven't put an offer in. They've tried all this, you know, nonsense, sneaky tactics of, let's talk in the media and let's have Kane show up late to training and not when he's expected. And at the end of the day, they haven't put anything on the table. So it's not even like we're refusing to sell. They're refusing to even offer. And everybody knows that they have more money than God. So there's no reason for them to not be making an offer when they're willing to spend a hundred dollars or hundred dollars, hundred million on a player they don't need. So if I'm Kane, I'm kind of like, well, this kind of sucks because I've now burned my bridges with my current club, acted like, you know, a, a bad team player, probably pissed off most of my current teammates who frankly looked like they were playing with a chip on their shoulder today. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm trying to read too much into it. So he's, he's messed up his relationship with his current club. City are still sitting on their hands and not making an offer. And I just, I don't see it getting any easier for them to negotiate the more time that they waste. Mm-hmm. So like they got to do something soon. Otherwise I, I think if he doesn't go this week, he ends up staying at Spurs, whether he likes it or not. Yeah. I think it has to come this week. If, if there is anything to, to be done, I think Spurs need it to come this week. I think they have to be like, listen, if this is happening, it needs to happen now so that we have it, you know, a somewhat of a window to potentially reinvest right away. You know, we saw today that maybe they don't need to, I think they, they do, but you know, that you could probably still be fine and get through the first portion of the season until you get to January and make that move. But, you know, I'm sure they've been looking at a potential alternative to come in and, and be that extra striker that they'll need Although Sun seems like he'd be great in that number nine role with, with how Nuno wants to play. Yeah, I think it's 
Spurs would prefer the business be done sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, because then, like you said, you know, well, we, we're selling Kane, so we know we have the money to go out and get somebody else. Plus, it might help you convince other people. I mean, the players were supposedly in for Lataro Martinez of Lahovic from Fiorentina. It's probably a lot easier to sell them on the project when they don't have the gigantic shadow of Harry Kane in front of them. Yeah. And you can tell them, you're going to come in and be the guy. Like there's, you're not going to be behind Kane. You're not going to have to partner Kane. You're going to be the guy. So I think it's honestly, it's easier for all parties involved if they get it done this week. Mm -hmm. Just what, what's bothering me is this kind of like presumptive attitude from man city. And it's kind of like put up or shut up. We all know you have the money, make an offer. We're not going to turn down a, a $150 million for this player. You know that we know that put the money on the table and let's yeah. get done with it. I think Martinez would be so good in this team. And so, oh my goodness. Yeah. I, watching how they play today. And I, I don't want to get carried away. Listen, it's one result. And quite frankly, we're a bit of a bogey team for city at this point, for whatever reason, they struggle to beat us, especially away from home. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking at this result and being like, yeah, we're going to push for the title. Like, we, we beat City. We took advantage of playing them early in the season. I'm going to keep my expectations in a reasonable place. But, you know, it's definitely a more positive start to the Nuno era than getting, you know, smacked 4-0 would have been. So I can't yeah. complain. For sure. And that was definitely a phenomenal game to watch today on this Sunday morning. Uh, the the other game today was the West Ham um Newcastle game. Newcastle game, which actually was very entertaining as well. Lots of goals in that one. Um, but we're going to turn back to Saturday and look at two games that were played. Uh, the first one, Manchester United versus Leeds. So Leeds were kind of the darling of last year coming up from uh, the championship. And under Bielsa, they play a very fast-paced attacking um, style. <laughs> Unfortunately, they seem to not be able to figure it out when they play against Manchester United, though. Uh, they got smacked last year, I remember. Uh, and in this one, it was a 1-0 game heading into half. Uh, Mason Greenwood had the opening goal for, for United. Luke Ayling tied it up for, for Leeds in the 48th minute. And then from there, uh, just Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandez utterly dominated this game uh, i've never seen so much passing prowess from pogba uh, in quite some time and fernandez decided he was going to oh sorry fernandez had the opening goal uh, in the 30th and then decided he was going to score a nice opening day hat trick for himself and this one ended up five to one and Leeds did not change their style they just kept going the way they wanted we felt like at some point maybe they'd come back into this game, but Paul Paga was like, no, I'm just going to keep pinging balls to people and score wild goals. Thoughts on this? Do you, Sancho like barely played in this game, and Veron yeah, wasn't, wasn't even in yet. So Sancho had a cameo. They announced Veron ahead of the game. I was loving watching this game because Bruno Fernandez, uh, between him and Hyungmin Son, they hard carried my fantasy team this week uh, for Premier League. So every goal that Fernandez put in, I was like, yes, more, more. Um, it was one of it's one of those things where like leads. We know what they are by now. They're they sell out every time. They're they're going to play the way that they want to play every game. They're not going to change it. They're not going to adjust it based on who they're playing against. Sometimes it's going to go really well. And sometimes you're going to have results like this where a better team just punishes you for being that open and attacking all the time. It's a shame because Ailing's goal was probably the goal of the game, just in terms of how good it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, man, you on that kind of form when Pogba decides he wants to play and Fernandez is that lethal and clinical in front of goal. Uh, tons of other, I thought McTominay had a pretty good game. Uh, tons of other guys in that team played, played pretty well. Uh, they were really firing on all cylinders, mm -hmm. but that's, that's what, that's what leads are going to do. We know that we learned it last season. I think by the end of the year, they'll still probably be about mid table because as much as they'll lose a game like that, They'll go do that to another team next week because that's just the way they are. 
Um, and th those are the types of kind of up and down results that they get. I think from a man, U perspective, you gotta be pretty pleased with that as an opening weekend result uh, scoring five goals is phenomenal. They'll be a little bothered. They didn't keep a clean sheet, but knowing that Veron still has to slot into this team, knowing that you have Sancho who really only appeared for a little while, uh, as another option. I think if you're, if you're a man, U fan, you're thrilled with that. If you're Ole as the manager, you're, you're happy. Um, and I thought they looked, they looked really good. And it, it's, it's one of those things where like a player like Pogba gets a lot of crap from people because he's not always on, but when he's on, he's a difference maker. Um, and that was kind of exemplified in this performance. So hugely positive start from Man U. I, I do think with those extra pieces they got in, you know, Chelsea looks really strong, but Man U is definitely going to be in the title conversation as long as they can kick on from a result like that. And those are the types of games that they can be trap games. Like you do have to take care of business and, and, and get the three points. So I think job done from their perspective and with kind of a higher gear to go to once their new signings are really integrated, I think it's, it's a positive omen for them going into the new season. Yeah. I imagine, I imagine Leeds will be totally fine. Like I said, they have this weird hoodoo voodoo with, with United, um, yeah. They were missing their Yorkshire uh, Pirlo. The as Yorkshire well. Pirlo, yeah. Uh, so I feel, you know, he's working his way back from the Euros. With him in, in that central midfield position, that's a completely it's different, a different team when he yeah, plays, yeah. Completely different team. And, uh, but I do see, you know, I see United with the pieces they added and the people that they still have on the roster. They are set up so well to be successful in multiple tournaments because they are they are very deep now with you bring in Sancho and Varang you have Martial still uh you can bring Dallow off the bench Williams off the bench Pereira Van de Beek Mata uh, Cavani is he he's still on the roster too I believe so yeah yeah so you have all these players and basically have a two 11s that you can play with both in the the two league cups that you have, FA Cup and in the, the league Carabao Cup, you have, um, what are they? In, are they Europa or are they Champions League? Champions League, right? Champions they finished League. in seconds yep. last last yep. year, so you have Champions League as well. You not? I feel like they're not going to have to worry as much about potential depth issues or, or injuries because they'll have next man up uh, yeah. for them. Which so I think they are. One of the teams here in the Premier League that are very, very set up to be successful in the league, but also in all of these different competitions they're going to be playing in too. Now, you mentioned Chelsea. They dominated against Crystal Palace. We talked potentially as um, the Palace head coach potentially being the, the number one coach out. But, oh, I don't know. I don't know about but, that after this weekend. Yes, but I want to go to our next game here of Brentford yes, let's versus. Please, let's please go there. Brentford versus Arsenal. So we had Friday, first game kick of the whole Premier League season. We have the Brentford Bees come up from the Championship, a team that has been building towards this you know, rise to the Premier League for the first time in like over 70 something years. We have Arsenal who haven't really done anything in this transfer window um, besides Ben White. And they needed a lot of work. I felt going into this season, they didn't have a bombing in this game. They didn't have Lacazette in this game. They didn't start Saka who's still working back from euros. Um, mm -hmm. Somebody else they didn't start too. Maiden Niles. Maiden Niles. Well. Yeah. Brentford win 2 0. Very much dominating, I felt, through a lot of this game. Uh, they pressed all over the field. It looked like they didn't really care who they were playing against. They stuck to this very, you know, similar to Leeds, very attack minded team that's going to go at you they're not going to sit in just because they're playing against the you know a higher level um quote unquote higher level <laughs> debatable do you think 
Arteta could be the first one out. That is definitely the prevailing opinion after week one. And uh, I don't see why not. I don't see why he wouldn't be considered in danger of losing his job after that, because I think you kind of hit on it talking about the way Brentford played at no point in that game. Did Arsenal look threatening at no point in that game? Did they look like they were the better team? Brentford were beating them to every 50 50. They were pressing them like lunatics Arsenal spent what 70 million on Ben White transfer fee and he's getting rinsed by championship wingers the entire game. Like who's the one dude on Brentford in Buego. Yeah. He was absolutely roasting their back line. At one point I remember he went on one run where he got like basically held up and it was him versus three Arsenal players. And he just like click clacked his way through three of them. And he pulled the shot wide, but he should have scored. And it was just like, it was a situation that the Arsenal defense should have had handled and they didn't. And he didn't end up punishing them for it on that occasion. But like, that's, that's worrying that one player who that was playing in the championship last year can escape three Premier League defenders and almost score. And then you look at the second goal they concede and they concede off a throw-in mm-hmm. that they let bounce in their own penalty area. Yeah, that was poor. Quite poor. You, you coach at the collegiate level. I coached youth soccer and high school level. If either of our teams let a ball bounce in the penalty area, how much of a lunatic would we have been in the technical area on the touchline? Because you just don't <laughs> let it happen. Because when you let the ball bounce in the penalty area, bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Every coach knows that, whether the coach in Pee Wee, Division One, or the Premier League. And the fact that Arsenal are conceding a goal like that is worrisome because they're Sunday league teams that know not to do that. I, I just think if you're an Arsenal fan and you're watching that game, where, where was anything you could be optimistic about? You got outplayed by a team that was in the championship last season. Yeah, I think conceded- Smith Rowe is the only thing that stood out to me. He was their he was probably their best player. Yeah, Yeah. he was the only one trying to make things happen. But even that, it's like And Tierney. Tierney looked good too at left back. I actually disagree. I think Tierney had a disappointing game by his standards. I think he I don't think his his end product was as good as it normally is. He created a lot coming down that left side where you know he was getting balls into the box. Maybe they I I don't remember off the top of my head how pinpoint they were but he was one of the only players and so maybe he just stands out in the pile of trash that that game right. was it's like he was at he was slightly above average in a game where most people put in below average i think in the first half he played okay in the second half he was largely not a factor i i just think if if you're an arsenal fan you have to be wondering what is the style of play? What what is the game plan? And again, I know I know you're not playing uh I know you're not playing all your star players. But then the other question is, why are you not playing your star players? Where's Aubameyang? He didn't go on international duty this summer. There were no tournaments he was playing in. You signed him on a contract of what, 300 a week last season and he's not ready to start your first Premier League game? What like top to bottom that club board of directors, the manager, the players, like something's not right. And as much as I love to have the opportunity to dance on the graves of Arsenal on, on week one of a Premier league season (laughs) from a logical perspective, I look at it and I'm like, what is going wrong there? Because they're not, they're not a team that should be having that type of problem. It certainly Uh, seems like there's a mentality issue right now um of you know you see you see brentford come out and they every single one of them knows exactly what their responsibility is and they understand that we are just going to run until we fall over for 90 minutes and it's going to cause chaos but we're going to create chances we're going to be organized defensively uh, and we know how to break out when we win the ball Arsenal just seemed most of the time, besides whenever Smith Rowe was on the ball, that there was no rhyme or reason to what they were doing. It seemed like their 
an issue came up, like when a goal gets scored from Arteta down, you just saw everyone's faces be like, this is, I don't like this. I don't enjoy being here right now. Man, you are a soccer player for your profession. You're a soccer coach for your profession. Like if you're, if you look like that, then yes, there's something going on that there's just not this mentality of, you know, I, they talked on the telecast today bef- during the, the Spurs game about how, you know, Nuno comes in and it's super positive and, and the way they're playing and the, the, the way that just practices are run, just so much more lighthearted and enjoyable than like when Mourinho was there and you, mm-hmm. you know, everyone has been connecting to this show on like all these podcasts that I've listened to. You look at the Ted Lasso experience and how it's, it's all family oriented. It's about positivity and enjoyment and still working on things to be successful. I feel like when coaches do that nowadays, there's a better end product. Um, and I think maybe Arteta is, is still learning the, the, the way to do that with this team and from his own coaching style. And I don't know. It just, it's always seems like there's certain teams. There's always certain coaches where this aura surrounds them and you can just tell that, you know, something there isn't going well. I think Arteta to me is kind of similar to the Lampard thing with Chelsea last year. It's like probably a guy who's going to be a good manager over the course of their career maybe not somebody that you give a top six job to as their first head coaching job. I think that's the issue is that it's one thing to be Pep's assistant in a wildly successful team where mind you, you can also spend a bajillion dollars. I mean, city fielded a team against Spurs today that was worth half a billion dollars. (laughs) Arsenal are not doing that. Arsenal's more of a project Arsenal Tottenham, Uh, even a team like an Everton, like those are teams where you're going to have to go in and kind of like solve the puzzle, figure out how to get that team to perform and get, you know, squeeze the most juice out of the players that you have there. I don't know if Arteta's ready for that. I don't get a sense of confidence or belief off of him just based off you know, his body language during games. And again, I'm, I'm a schmuck watching TV. I don't, you know, I'm not somebody who knows what it's like to be at that level, but at the same time, it's, you, you don't see anything to your point. You don't see the players fighting for him. You know, they go down one nil and they look like they're defeated. They don't look like they have a plan B half the time. They don't look like they have a plan a. So it's, it's just worrying because it's not an isolated case. You know, they finished the season strong last year, but they started, I mean, they were in relegation form until Christmas. It's, it's not a new phenomenon with Arteta, and it's something that they need to figure out because if Arsenal want to continue to be a, a big club and a top six team, you can't, you can't be doing the kinds of things that they're doing. You can't just be like finding yourself every season. There needs to be more of a firm identity and a a firm kind of motivation behind the manager and the players. I just don't see that right now. I, I saw a team lost against a championship team that just got promoted. What their next two games are Chelsea and city. How are I mean Chelsea City maybe didn't look that great. Chelsea looked incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. If they lost two nil to Brentford, what are they going to do against Chelsea? They could go the entire month, the first month of the season, without winning a game and be bottom of the table with zero points. That's not what Arsenal fans want. That's not what the club should be achieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you imagine that game against Chelsea with Lukaku either starting or coming off the bench. My God, they'll lose five nil. <laughs> bullied by Ivan Tony. Like the, <laughs> and to, I think Tony's a great player. All, I think he'll yeah, do think well this year, but like Lukaku is a caliber above. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who just won Serie A. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I worry for him. I mean, I can't, no rational human being can pick them as winners of that game. 
based on their week one performance. Mm-hmm. Yes. On the other side, Brentford are going to be a fun team to watch this year. I think they're, they don't give two toots about who they're playing. Uh, they're going to play that style. That's very fast paced, high pressure in your face. Uh, and I think they're going to be very similar to, to Leeds last season and, and very enjoyable. They're going to get some big results um, as this season goes on. So definitely, uh, definitely check them out if you weren't able to watch this opening game. Um, I think I am going to actually dive into the Brentford method a little bit up on our uh, Patterns of Play website uh, and put an article up about how they do things a little bit differently. Uh, they do not have an academy. Uh, they have a B team instead, and they their owner also owns a team in uh, Denmark as well. There's a lot of Danish players uh, within this organization. Uh, so it's, it's an, a very unique method that they, they have. Um, and you can check that out up on our, our website on the patterns and play podcast website, which there was a new article that I put up just this weekend about the messy madness. So if you have time, head over there and check that out and be on, be on the lookout for some, some articles now that we're gonna get right back into all this. So we are going to take a jump over uh, to Germany and, and touch base here with how things started off for, for some of the big players uh, from from past couple of years. And uh, we saw a lot of, I want to say, rough beginnings for some of the, the top teams. And, and we saw one team uh, kind of come out really, really, really strong, but the opening game of the weekend for the Bundesliga was Bayern versus Mönchengladbach. Uh, and Bayern is obviously the team that is constantly at the top of the table. They, they are always winning the championship. Uh, they're competing at the highest level with, you know, winning Champions League two years ago. They do end up getting a tie in this game, but they just didn't look like themselves um, for, for most of this, they let up an early goal against uh, Mönchengladbach and it took them quite a while to get that, uh, that tying goal in the end. But, you know, you you have a guy in Lewandowski who's going to be able to, to carry you sometimes in those moments, but Julian Nagelsmann's come over, taken over here. There's been some new additions to the team. Uh, in the likes of Upa Makano as well. They had someone playing right back who I've never seen before, Joseph Stanisic. Uh, do you happen to know anything about him? No. Yeah, I was going to say, I've not, not heard of him. So I think there's going to be this adjustment period, you, you would suspect, with a new coach. And there's always, you know, you give them, you know, the first month or so to get settled in and, Nagelsmann's style is is a lot more I feel intricate than maybe the last coach was at Bayern what are your thoughts on how long does it take for them to become the Bayern that we typically see I think they'll get there in the first couple weeks Um, they didn't look great they needed Lua to kind of save them uh, with the with the equalizer so they could salvage a point Gladbach are one of those teams that, you know, when when they're on, they're difficult to beat. So I'm not sure I'd be hitting the panic button if I'm a Bayern fan just because you didn't win your opening game. Obviously, that would have been Nagelsmann's goal and would have been the ideal outcome to get a, a win in the first match for the new coach. But I think to your point, just getting that early season fitness – adapting to Nagelsmann's style. They just kind of looked rusty. Things were just sloppy. The link-up play wasn't there. They just, they looked like a team that kind of had a hangover versus a, you know, sharp, ruthless Bayern that we, I'm sure, will be seeing about two months into the season where they just start, you know, battering teams, scoring four or five goals. Um, I don't, you know, I wouldn't take too much stock in it. 
Uh, I know it's disappointing, but again, Bayern is one of those teams where like they expect to win every week. So when they don't win, it's always kind of like a panic or whatever. From my perspective, they didn't lose. You know, they got they got a, they salvaged a point out of it. They gave up the early goal, but then they kind of steadied it a little bit. Nagelsmann, once he gets his style in there, the, I'm confident they will be back to winning every week. Um, and you know, apart from Dortmund, who really played well in their opening game. The other kind of big boys of the league, Leverkusen tied, Leipzig uh, lost. So, I mean, the other kind of big boys in the Bundesliga didn't really play all that great this weekend anyway. So, it's not going to cost you. It's very early on. I think a couple weeks, month into the season, we'll be seeing Bayern doing typical Bayern things again. Uh, but, yeah, definitely kind of a rusty, slow first day at the office for them. Yeah, so some of these other games, and you know, you mentioned Leipzig, who also new coach and Jesse March coming in because Nagelsmann left. They go down early, one uh, nil to Mainz, and really, I watched I watched most of this first half and some of the second half. It was Mainz just sitting in for the whole mm-hmm. rest of this game, and it was very difficult for Leipzig to create very much. And they have a, a lot of new players in this, in this squad as well. Um, specifically the, the big one is their target player in, in Andre Silva feel like he wanted the ball served into the box and he was not getting great service in this game. It's also difficult when a team just sits inside the 18 and so you're trying to win balls in the air and you're getting hit by three different players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the defense for them is obviously needing to make adjustments, losing their cat, their, you know, big player in, in up in Mancano. And, you know, other players who, who typically were in the ranks for, for Leipzig in the past with Sabitzer didn't come on until the 64th minute. And, and I feel like he, is a big one who makes a difference for them. Um, Klosterman didn't play in this one. Conrad Leimer is another big one for them who didn't feature in this one. So, you know, does, is Marsh still needing to figure out what his best 11 is? Is he, you know, just needing to, again, put his style in uh, to, to get them to where they need to be as well? Yeah, I think it's probably an element of both. Again, it, you know, early season clubs where there's new managers uh you know we see it in the Premier League we see it in the Bundesliga going to take a couple weeks before they find those 11 guys that they feel like they can trust week in and week out you've got guys coming back from international tournaments whether it's Euro or the Olympics that are kind of being reintegrated slowly and uh you know if there's people who had injuries so i think again kind of same case as Bayern it's a disappointing result, but I wouldn't draw too many conclusions from it just yet. Uh, it's disappointing as a U.S. soccer fan because you want to see Marsh start well. And we talked last week on the pod about really just wanting to see him have a really good season because of how well that could potentially bode for the U.S. national team. And we had a couple of our kind of star players, if you will, uh, Pulisic, Gio Reyna, having good week opening weekends for their respective teams. So, uh a lot of positive buzz around U.S. soccer, and Marsh is part of that, so I would have liked to see him win. But I think, yeah, you got to give him a couple weeks to find his best team, get everybody fit again, and really ensure that he's picking from his best uh, possible 11. I think, too, somebody like Zabitzer, he's being linked with a move away from the club. I mean, you saw with Harry Kane today, he didn't wasn't even featured in the squad for the Spurs game because of all this stuff. It's like until the window settles down and teams really know what they're working with, it's kind of difficult to be super harsh on results unless, you know, like what we were just talking about, it's kind of like a shocker, like the Arsenal game. Um, I think Marsh will be fine. I think once he kind of figures out what his, what his best team is, the results will be there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's some settling in for both Bayern and, and for Leipzig with these adjustments and, um, I expect those two to be in that top top four race as this season progresses. And another team that will definitely be in there is Borussia Dortmund. Um, they they also have a new coach in, in Marco Rosa, who came from Gladbach um, in this this 
consistent moving of pieces, uh, coaching pieces. I feel like the Bundesliga had a lot of movement this year. Yeah. Um, Holland, just unreal. Um, so, so good. So, so good. I, he basically put the team on his back, but I mean, there's a lot of pieces within this team that are very exciting. He, he scored two, he had two assists. Um, Marco Royce had a goal and assist. Hazard had a, a goal. Um, Gio Reyna, the American, had a goal. This team, I think with the core, they really didn't have too much leave uh, within, within this group. They, they kept a, the very strong core group. I think that Holland is obviously just taking another step in his development as a player into this season how and they played a team in in frankfurt who is typically quite competitive quite you know in in the conversation towards the top half of the table so i see this as one of the most impressive wins of the weekend um do you see dortmund kind of being that that team that's gonna potentially challenge in some of these european competitions and and really challenge Bayern at the top I'd like to see it. Um, I don't know. Again, long term, you know, will they keep this kind of this kind of form up? Remains to be seen. The attacking talent on that team is insane. I mean, just the list of goal scorers you just rattled off is nuts. These are you know really quality players. I was reading an article today uh, just about the game where at one point in the first half, Marco Royce came over to his manager, Marco Rosa, and had kind of like a, a tweak, a suggestion for, hey, I think the other team is doing this. Maybe we should kind of change it up a little bit. And instead of having the kind of, you know, entitled, I'm the coach, I say how it goes attitude that some other managers would have, Rosa's response was basically like, you know what, your captain tells you something that he's seeing on the field, you go with his instinct. Uh, and they tweaked the system a little bit. And then from there, they were really kind of dominating the game. Um, so I think that's a little interesting kind of look into Rose's management style. Uh, the fact that a guy like Marco Royce feels uh, like a leader, empowered to kind of make those observations to his coach and have his coach actually listen. Um, because a, a good team with good team spirit is twice as dangerous as just a good team. So I think that bodes well for them. The talent is there. They only really lost Sancho in that attack, and Sancho's a blow. But again, Thorgan Hazard has been flying under the radar for years, just putting together solid seasons for them. Uh, Royce is nearing the end of his career, but is still a great player. And Holland, I mean, next to Mbappe, he's got to be the best young, exciting talent in world football right now. So the pieces are there. Uh, whether they can achieve that consistency, obviously we'll need to wait a couple more weeks to see. But of the results in the Bundesliga, I know the other team that won big, there were two more. I think Hoffenheim won big, Stuttgart, Stuttgart won big, uh, but the, the teams they were playing were not quite as the level of a Frankfurt. So I think, yeah, it's probably the most impressive result of the Bundesliga for the week. Uh, and I think it's a good sign of things to come. So hopefully for the health of that league, they can be, you know, a, a credible competitor to Bayern towards the top. Early hot take here. Holland's going to break Lewandowski's goal scoring record. Well, do you know what Lewandowski's goal scoring record is sitting at currently? Don't. I'm just from a single season. I think it's like 40 or something. That's pretty, that's pretty nuts. That is a bit of a hot take. That would just require such insane form throughout the year. But that being said, Holland lately he is becoming more of that. I'm just going to throw the entire team on my back type player. I, I've noticed a lot more. He's gone from that. This is a guy who's an exciting prospect to this is a guy you build a franchise around. He's becoming, you know, a, a Lewandowski or Harry Kane level within that team, uh, which is cool to see. Um, I think his physical attributes too are just so unique. The fact that he's that big, that fast, that strong with the technical ability he has is a very rare combination. Yeah. Uh, last season, Lewandowski had uh, 41. Jesus. That's absurd. That's so, going to be tough. 42 That's for Holland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, let's uh, do quick preview here. Um, give me your thoughts with one game in, in the Premier League and then one game in the Bundesliga. So this next week we have Chelsea Arsenal. Do you foresee that being like at least a three goal win for Chelsea? Mm, I don't know that I'd go like three goal win because somehow Arsenal will raise their game and only manage to lose like one nil against a team like that, even though they lost two nil to Brentford. But I think Chelsea wins that game pretty easily. I don't know if they blank them three out of that. I think it, I think it honestly might be, especially if Lukaku gets in, even if he it could comes be. Off the and bench. If, if Arsenal don't play Aubameyang, I don't know where their goal scoring threat comes from. Yeah. So they definitely could lose that badly. And then in uh, the Bundesliga, we have uh, Leverkusen versus Gladbach. Again, two teams that had decent starts uh, for the, the first weekend. Uh, do you foresee this being another potential tie game because it's, you know, they're, they're at a similar level at this point heading into the season, or do you foresee one of those two teams? Um, both had a one, one tie last this past week. Um, Leverkusen lost a few players in, in the transfer window. Um, like a Leon Bailey, they, they lost. Um, uh, do you foresee this being, you know, a competitive one that's kind of somebody needs to figure, you know, the little tactical adjustments to try and get a goal here, or maybe a set piece is what, what does it, or do you think this might just be in that? Um, or do you see one of these two teams potentially dom, you know, taking over and dominating? I think it'll be close. Uh, it's a home game for Leverkusen. So maybe that gives them the slight edge. I could see that being like a two, one or a three, two to them. Uh, I think maybe Leverkusen just edges it. And if you can recall, Leverkusen has the, one of the, the exciting players from the Euros, Patrick Schick. Uh, mm. So he's one to be looking out for this season in the Bundesliga as he kind of made a huge jump, I felt, uh, with, with his play for the Czech, um, the Czech team this, this summer scoring some crazy goals. You know, that, the one he had from half was, was quite wild. So be on the lookout for him for Leverkusen. And those are two, two of the, the games to definitely tune into this weekend. There's a, there's a lot of other ones, uh, obviously, across all levels. Um, there wasn't anything else that I felt was super standout. Um, so I think those are the two to definitely check into. That wraps up another episode of the Sunday Soccer Show presented to you by the Patterns of Play podcast. Uh, we thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening uh, and, and following us on this journey. Uh, we will be off next week because I am going into preseason and I don't have any time off. Uh, but then we shall return that following week with another episode. Also, be on the lookout for the very first Four Horsemen of Football, which will be coming out later this week. Uh, as Schmitty and I might be jumping into another recording session soon for that. But Schmidt, as always, thank you for tuning or joining. You're not tuning in. You're joining this. I mean, I'm tuning in and joining, but <laughs> yeah. And have a great rest of your weekend.